Walt? Jeez, I don't think you've moved since I left for work. And that was banana pancakes at 9, argued with you at 9.30, and I left about 9.45, so that's far out. It's been eight hours. What have you been doing all day? Minecraft. Oh, what you building? A house? It's a little bigger than that. I've actually just finished now. Come have a look. Whoa, this is incredible. What is it? It's an exact replica of the Globe Theatre in London. I had to find some architectural drawings online, extrapolate that into cubes, divide in two for all of the stair blocks, account for the acoustics in the space, find the exact right tree for the wood they used in the space, light the blocks at even intervals with hidden torches, and build a rudimentary redstone circuit. But I reckon it's just about done now. Far out. Great stuff, man. You know what? I'm actually going to England in a couple of weeks and I have a spare ticket. You could come with us and get an actual view of the Globe Theatre. See it in person. Go see a Shakespeare play or something. Maybe meet some fellow thespians. It could be a blast, don't you think? No, that seems like way too much effort. <laughs> Oh, so much. I've got a readily available plane ticket for you. <laughs> that's like <laughs> that's the real fantasy of this world. Is not that yeah. I've made an exact replica of the Globe Theatre. That I just have a convenient spare ticket to the UK. <laughs> <laughs> just a couple of grand lying around. Yeah, just chill. <laughs> uh, welcome to the Get Commanded podcast. It's the GCP brought to you by POG Palms Off Gaming, sponsor of this podcast. We're all uniting forces to help you to have better games of Commander. I'm your host, Walt. And hello, Commander players. I'm your other host, James. And if you would like to support the Get Commanded podcast cinematic universe, <laughs> uh, you can help those dreams come true over at Patreon. <laughs> our dreams, essentially. We, yeah, th these are our dreams that we want to come true. Uh, we've got a bunch of actual benefits over there for you, though. Mm -hmm. um, there's plenty of uh, really cool things, including... Uh, Walt's custom commander and commander mm. deck that you can access. Uh, there's a bunch of different tiers that you can subscribe to and there's even a space commander tier where you can join the cohort yourself. So go to patreon.com slash getcommanderpodcast to see all those awesome details. And yeah. speaking of that cohort... Mm. I can see the green light is blinking. So we must have an incoming transmission from the deep depths of the galaxy from the space commanders. It's time to get commanded. Some Commander decks are enormously satisfying to build and imagine, but significantly less enjoyable to pilot in a Commander game. How can one avoid the pitfalls of Grand Designs? Grand Designs. Mm. Makes me think of that um, ABC show. You know, the... I, I think that's totally what they're thinking of. Though. I know the one you're talking about. Yeah, the one with Kevin MacLeod. Kevin MacLeod, yeah, yeah. yeah. So... I reckon that's like 100% what they're talking about here. Because they're talking about 
what do they, t- what do they say? The, the pitfalls of grand designs. Decks that are fun to build but not to play. That actually transfers into a very nice little metaphor there. It I does. like that. For those who are not familiar, I think we should give a quick rundown of yeah, what grand designs true. actually is <laughs> so that you can understand the central <laughs> metaphor of what the Space Commanders are saying here. I love the idea that the Space Commanders made a metaphor about a show based <laughs> on Earth about architecture. Look, they've extracted... They've, <laughs> they've got abduct- data on everyone, including architecture. <laughs> <laughs> they have also abducted us a number of times. They might have just like scanned your brain for old English TV shows That's and true. been like, oh my God, Walt knows this one too. <laughs> Um, so, Grand Designs, those who don't know, there is the Grand Designs Australia as well. There is, there is. Not also, as good. There's a, there was also a New Zealand one, which I oh, loved, actually. I think I remember that, yeah. too. So, basically, for those who don't know, Grand Designs was this show hosted by this guy, Kevin McLeod, who is a, like, sort of, you know, he's a television presenter, but also, I think, has a background in architecture and that kind mm. of thing. And basically, what, what happens is, people approach Kevin McLeod about this show, and they say, we're trying to build this amazing house, or... Um, often it's like they've got this beautiful existing building and they're going to adapt it into a new home, like an old barn or something. Yeah, and it's usually quite like an architectural feet. It's like usually they're trying to do something really deep. It's not like they're building a suburban white picket fence brick house. They're, They're trying to build like... A, you know, leading tower of Pisa, but livable. I, I mean, know. basically, they, they really stretched the, uh, the the limits of what is possible to yeah. build. Like, there was a uh, one house that someone built where they wanted to use only recycled materials, and I, they built yeah. the whole house, like the walls of the house, with tires, old car tires, and then layered mud on top of it, like they do in... in so it's like an old mud hut type thing. Basically, but That's then they, sick. you know, plastered the inside and had, you know, nice, like, everything, yeah. but they used tires to build the house. It was incredible. I've seen some of them that they build, like, Hobbit holes, like you know, yeah. like you know, the Baggins house, totally. in, like in the wall of a mountain, and it's really cool. I think there's one that is maybe similar to that one as well that I vividly remember, where they tried to build this house that they covered the entire top of it in soil so they could grow plants over it. Yes, and they sealed the entire house so there was no air escaping whatsoever, and they built it so that it basically would heat itself. It was like a yeah, it was it would always remain warm in the winter. Yes, but it would be because it's soil. It would remain cool in the summer when yeah. it heats the heat. Very, very like grand idea. Yeah, and it's it's so cool that you can see it. And then yeah, these people approach Kevin McLeod and say, "Hey, this is my idea." And then Kevin McLeod goes, "Fantastic! I'll get a camera crew out in your face yeah. every four months, and we'll see how you're doing." Yeah. So basically, like the the episodes would come out every week or so, or whatever. Yeah. But the timelines for each of these builds were often like three or four years. Yeah. You know, it would be like it would be like June two thousand and one, and then the next time you visited would be like October 2001 and then like January 2002 and yeah. all of the builds by the way go way longer they're always like and always oh, way over budget yeah, as well yeah. which is the thing I love it was always like oh it'll cost us about 50,000 pounds and it'll take us about three years and then it's like 300,000 pounds <laughs> and 10 years later I love the uh, yeah when they come back after three years yeah and it's like so what was your original idea well we wanted to build a three-story townhouse in a fucking swamp and what happened <laughs> The building sank, yeah. so we had to spend another 300,000 quid to make it sustainable. We bought 5 million gallons of sand to form a, a solid base to build the house upon. Look, they're like these really extravagant ideas. And yeah, Kevin follows them from start to finish. They're really cool episodes, by the way. I highly recommend checking them out wherever you can see them. Yeah. Um, 
But basically, yeah, the, the, I think this is the comparison that the space commanders are making, is these people set out to build these enormous, fantastical constructions, and they always take way longer and are way more difficult than they anticipate. And then I think the, 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 the in here for us as commander players mm. is so much of the time when I was watching this show, I'd noticed that because the builds took so much longer than they are anticipated, so many of these people were building family homes for their kids who were like young kids at the time. And then five years later, they're now 17 years old. Yeah, and, and it's like, like <laughs> well, they're going to move out in like two or three yeah. years. And it's like, it's almost defeated the purpose of having set out to build this amazing thing because the end result, wink, wink, was not what they actually needed from it. I get it. So the metaphor you're saying is have kids after you've done playing Commander. Play Commander before you have kids. <laughs> Immediately before. Immediately Immediately before. after you've finished playing Commander. Go have a child. Go have a child. <laughs> I get what you're saying. I, I, I see... I see the metaphor here, and I actually... I can't help but go, okay, this is definitely something that Walt relates heavily to. Yeah. Because just recently, you've actually gone through and disassembled quite a few of your commander decks yeah. for reasons of like, if we're going down this metaphor of grand designs, living in that house wasn't as great as you thought it was. 100%. And so I think that's basically going to be the, the structure we're going down here. Cause right. the, the space commanders want us to avoid these grand designs. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they, they're not saying you can't build extravagant decks, but they're saying, do you want to live in them mm. when they're done? Or, you know, in Commander, do you want to play, play the them, decks. play yeah. the deck? Because that's the point of building it, right? And so, I guess I like that metaphor of, like, living in a deck. Because you do have to sit down and pilot that thing at a table. Yeah, you know, it's, it's time yeah. as well. It's like you have to dwell with the, the deck as a concept. Um, so, yeah, we want to avoid decks that aren't fun to play, but mm -hmm. are fun to build. So, yeah, we're going to start with... Not start with. It's all going to be my decks. <laughs> Because I've done so much more of this than you have, so that's just going to be the slant. The the the, meta, the the message of this episode is James is a better deck builder. <laughs> <laughs> that's the only takeaway. You can actually turn that podcast off right now. Yeah. Um, you can get Ten all minutes, the information. You've got the gist of it. Kevin McLeod was a bit of a pompous dick that would uh, berate people about how terrible they build houses. Walt builds decks he doesn't like, and James just builds good decks. <laughs> Goodbye, Command Players. Catch you next time. Bye. <laughs> um, so, no, the, the, the episode, maybe, would be good. That's to get a good back idea. To. Um, so, I reckon there's three questions we can ask when we're starting to build a deck, mm -hmm. and these should help us to avoid building a grand design. Mm -hmm. And then what we're going to do is we're going to use those three questions on each of these decks that I built and sort of travel back in time to what I was thinking when I built them yeah, and sure. show you what where it went wrong, basically. So, so like the idea, start with you, post, you know, you know, encapsulating what you want to do and then mm. maybe I can tell you what it actually resulted yes. in. Yes, yeah. 100%, I reckon your in will be what, <laughs> what actually happened. So that, that was just the third question. But basically the three questions are, so this you're sitting down to build a deck. These mm -hmm. are the three questions to ask yourself. Why are you building the deck is question one. Makes sense. It can be something really simple here. I like this one card. This commander's always appealed to me. I've always wanted to build a goblin deck. Like, yeah. you know, that can be a simple answer. That's or it's, fine. Or it's challenging. It's like a, a yeah. type that's not been, like, you know, a creature type that's not been supported very yeah. well. Or building a scarecrow deck because you think it'll be crazy. You know, like, that's totally Or a fair. phoenix deck because it should be a supported creature type. And you feel like there should be creatures there, but there's not. I've been looking at this for years. <laughs> James feels strongly about this. Um, so why are you building the deck is question one. Question two is 
What do you imagine will happen when you play it? Oh, so this is the, you know, the first episode of Grand Designs when Kevin MacLeod goes, so what What do you think this would be like to live in? And the people yeah. are like, oh, well, because we're building this house inside a hill, it yeah. means our children will be able to frolic on top of the hill <laughs> and they'll be able to play with... Their, All the other and, children in Hobbiton. Um, <laughs> yes. They can wander the streets and, <laughs> and Frodo will be there and Sam. Um, they come up every episode. Lord of the Rings. We, uh, we really fans. have been, like, leveraging that Set. We have, and we will never stop. No. Um, so yes, what do you imagine will happen when the deck is done? Yep. Um, and then the third question, and this is the most important one, is what will actually happen? Mm. And so when we go through these decks for mine, this is the question that James is going to be I'll retroactively say, this was Walt's idea, but this is actually what yeah. resulted. Yeah. So I think rather than uh, tell you any more about that, we're just going to dive straight in. So we're going to start looking at some of the decks that I have disassembled over the years. We'll look at five altogether. I have a, it's weird when you say over the years, because I'm looking at the list of uh, decks here, and a lot of them are with in the last year. <laughs> Look, I've had I have problems, alright? It's been a rough year. It has been a rough year. Rough year for deck building. Um so we're gonna start the uh with a deck that I probably disassembled oh, four or five months ago now, I reckon. Yep. Maybe even less than that. I remember the final game you got with it. Yeah. yeah. So it's um Sisse with like Captain, is that the one? Yeah, the it's white the five, one. That... The five colour one that has, has a five yeah. colour activated ability. So Sisse with like Captain, and this was a Shrines deck. Mm. So a deck that was built around the card Sanctum of All, and then all those different cards from um, uh, OG Kamigawa, and then M21, and then later uh, Kamigawa Neon Dynasties, mm -hmm. all that had the type, they're enchantments that have the type Shrine. I would say that you did build this before Kamigawa Neon Dynasty. Yes. You built this before Goshintai came out, and it was just yes. objectively the better commander for yes. us. Yes, yeah. which is something we could talk about later as well. So, why did I build the deck? I Sanctum of All came out, and I was like, this seems weird, and I yeah. have to find a place to play this ridiculous card. Was that Corset 21? 21, yeah. yeah. Corset 2021. The last Corset to ever exist. Oh, yeah. Rest in peace, Corsets. Yeah, true that. Teferi killed them. <laughs> <laughs> that 94 variant printing Teferi that activated at instant speed. <laughs> oh, Bloody cool, hell. Cool card, but gosh, too many too many versions. Um, So, yeah, I saw Sanctum of All. was like, this looks cool. I want to build around this as yeah. basically the secret commander of the deck um Sisse seems like a, a logical choice because i can find the, the shrines i need with yep. Sisse's ability that right? makes sense because they're legendary by the way so Sisse's tutors for legendary permanence all the shrines are legendary makes sense um what did i imagine would happen i thought it would be like a real toolbox deck so i would i built like a shrines and then i put a bunch of just like legendary kind of like soft stacks pieces in there like pramicon mm -hmm. i also remember um kuranos as well yeah, it was kuranos like just like one. Yeah, just a random little silver bullet for some decks yeah, and, yeah. i had kataki wars wage in there for a while that basically gave artifacts a cumulative upkeep of paying a generic mana yeah i very vividly remember that one. <laughs> <laughs> I took that one out. That was very salt-inducing. Um, but yeah, I, I had all these different like answers I could shoot it with Sisse, and then a whole bunch of shrines. I was like, this will be so cool. I feel like I'm playing like instant speed. I'll have responses and it stuff. It feels like a, a Sunforger-type version yeah. of a Sisse deck. It's and very like built around the ability to get out what you need when you need it, yeah. like Sunforger does. Yeah. Okay. What actually... <laughs> happened, James, when I played the Sisse with, like, Captain Tech. I mean, it's it's pretty easy to explain. It was the same thing over and over and over again. Yeah. It was, like, 
I mean, look, it was really consistent, and I have to say that that does make a good deck if your deck is mm -hmm. really consistent. The problem was I always found that it would find the perfect silver bullet for whatever the table needed at the time, mm -hmm. and it was usually like a stacks piece. Well, uh, Primacon came out a lot as well. Yeah, because like it was so quickly get like easily gettable. Yeah. And you just choose the best, you know, who's sitting to your left, who's sitting to your right, who's not going for the combat-based route. You choose that. You pillow fought out with a couple of other enchantments, that yep. kind of stuff. I just found it would play the game so similar. Like, the first couple of turns of the the um, deck would play out with fine dances for what other people are doing, mm -hmm. get Sanctum of All, win very, very slowly by yeah. hitting shrines off the top and just going over and over and over and over and over again. I found it very repetitive and mm. very just kind of like dull. And, yeah. and I feel I feel like that's a lot to say about the commander specifically. I think Sisse yeah. Weatherlight Captain is one of those commanders where if your commander is a tutor on a stick, mm -hmm. you are constantly playing the same lines. You are constantly making the same result. Yeah. Um, and the other thing that I think happened with this deck is you built it before Kamigawa. Kamigawa mm. came out and shrines got way, way stronger and yeah. way better. So then the deck's consistency just turned into strength and won mm. quicker. Yeah. Also, Goshintai came out and suddenly there was the objectively correct shrines commander. It's five colors. And it's, yeah. to me, that made it so much more boring. Yeah. Like just the idea that there was the, the correct deck out there. Because the reason I built the deck is I was like, this seems weird. I'm going to play this weird thing. Mm. And then suddenly it was like, oh yeah, you can just cut the worst shrines now because there's better shrines to put in yeah. that remove stuff or deal burn damage or whatever. Just cut all the bad shrines, put those ones in, still got the same shrine count. Like, yeah, it just it got a bit boring. And yeah. Like, definitely check out the card draw versus tutors deck uh, mm. episode to, to see what we really think about this kind of stuff. But yeah, commanders that tutor are just by virtue of what they do, very repetitive. And so if you have like particular lines you find really cool that you want to do multiple times, but by all means build it. But for most commander players, and I really mean that when I say that, most commander players, when you play the same deck the same way every single time, you'll play about 20 games of that deck and you'll never play it again. Yeah, I think that's a huge shout out to one of our really early episodes, Farewell Sweet Deck. Oh yeah. Um, where, you know, the big reason why you disassemble a deck is because it plays the same. It just yeah. had that same play pattern. It would find like, even like, cause it tutors, it just tutored the best card draw spell. It tutored yeah. the best removal spell. It tutored the best ramp even like, you know, the ramp, the trying the, ramp. the ramps. Yeah, it's yeah. like, you know, Fruitful you harvest, yeah. always get that first, mm. always get the other one second, always yeah. get this third. It's like but writing a primer for this deck is instead of this is how you can play it. And if you see yourself in this situation, do this. It's like step one do this. Yeah. Step two, do this. Yeah. It was really just like, ramp for your five colors, cast Sisse, yeah, find these three legends in a row, mm -hmm. or choose one of these other two, depending on the pod that you're at, win. Like, and if, you, if any of those things get removed, good luck. <laughs> I feel like it didn't do what you wanted it to do. I no. feel like the, the, the weird secret commander shrines type deck didn't get hit, because I feel no. like the shrines were like, part of the deck but it didn't feel like they the were just the win, win. Yeah, yeah it felt like the win but not part of the journey of the deck no. and i felt like you wanted it to be like oh i've got this shrine better remove it otherwise i'm gonna do this yeah. haha gotcha i was baiting that now it's this shrine like yeah. i felt like that's what you wanted out of the deck and it just didn't 
no provide that it didn't get there so grand design failed deck unfortunately unfortunately um the next one i have here this is a much more recent one um this deck maybe had the shortest life of any deck I've ever built. I reckon I played about five games altogether. I reckon I played in three of those games. Yeah. And, and that was it. And then it was gone. Yeah. So this was Sasaya Orochi's Voice. This is a card from, funnily enough, OG Kamigawa as well. This is one of those... Fl- you got a problem with that plane, man. <laughs> <laughs> you got a fascination, but can't land it. They do weird stuff in Kamigawa. They do. It's cool. So yeah. this is the, the um, one that's a creature. There, there was a cycle of these, I believe. It's a creature on one side and it flips into an enchantment. Yeah. On And when I say flips i don't mean like um a lot of the ones we've seen rotates yeah it It rotates rotates. it rotates 180 degrees but it's still the front face of the Mm. card and it has a different effect and a different name i will say i love the artwork on these cards i think they're so well done it's like the art works both in 180 degrees and the other zero degree format it's really pretty it's really cool so um this deck by the way for those who don't know you it's a three mana uh, creature and you can reveal your hand, and if there's seven or more land cards in your hand, you flip it into the other side. Yep. And the 180 degree side says, whenever you tap a land for mana, um, add... Oh, is it as much I, mana as you would control with forests? It's, it's the gist is you add mana for each other land you control with the same name. So if you have five lands that are forests, when you tap yep. a forest, you get five green mana yeah that's right so it's worded as whenever a land you control is tapped for mana add one mana of that type to your mana pool for each other land you control with the same name so you were pretty close and the other thing is once it rotates it's a legendary enchantment much harder to remove much harder to remove so if you do get that flip your commander is now like not a creature which decks aren't as equipped to deal with no you know i think that you look at a deck like uh, Shurikai mm. and that commander sticks around for a long time because it's, it's not an a creature. Yeah. yeah, you never you never crew Shurikai and so it never is like in danger of removal exactly. much of the time. It's true. So um, why did I build the deck? Well, I wanted to build like a big mana deck that wasn't an infinite mana deck. Yep. And this seemed like a way to do it. It was just like a mono green, like have a bunch of forests kind of thing, make a million mana, sink it into some fun things. Also, it'd be a really tough deck building challenge because you have to have seven lands in your hand but importantly, if they're just only lands, then you're just going to flip the commander and have a million mana with nothing to do with it. So you yeah. have to like time when you have seven lands correctly so you can draw a bunch of cards or like sink it into sink a, it into something. Orochi Hatchery was one of the yeah, ones. Yeah, Orochi Hatchery was a really good one for sure. And I, I, I thought this would be a really, really different deck to build. Mm-hmm. Um, what did I imagine would happen? I thought I'd get massive amounts of mana. That would not be infinite, which would be cool. There was one infinite combo in the deck, but it was so weird that I kind of liked it anyway. It was the, there's a creature that you pay, I think it's called Wakerud Elemental. You pay green, 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 five green, mm. um, and you untap target land you control and it becomes a five, five. Oh, uh, so if you have a if you have like six, critical mass of lands, you can infinitely untap it. If you have six forests, then it produces infinite green. Because you, you pay five to untap it, you tap it for six green. Use five, five of the green of to untap it. Yeah, infinite green That's mana. That's sick. Um, and then I thought I would be able to sink it into just some really fun, goofy win cons. Like there's that um, wolf that, that ETBs and it has multi-kicker green. And every time you multi-kick it, you make a 2-2 wolf. That's sick. Um, so Orochi yeah, Hatchery like, was one Orochi of Orochi Hatchery favorites. was a really, really it's good got, one. It's XX artifact that enters the battlefield with X charge counters. And then you pay yes. five and tap it and create 
the amount of charge counters that are on it in snakes. Yes, <laughs> it's it's very silly and very fun yeah. to sink a lot of mana into. Um, James, what actually happened when I played this deck? Well, the three times that I saw it play um, would just result in, like, you... The first thing that I think you did was sandbag for, like, the entire game. Because mm-hmm. you need those seven lands in hand to be yeah. able to flip it into the enchantment. So I would honestly just watch you sit there for turns on turns being like, don't play land, pass. Yeah. And I'd be like okay, that's a bit of a nothing turn. And we get to your next turn and you'd be like, draw, play me land. No, okay. I should probably cast a spell. Play land, <laughs> cast a spell, pass. Gets back to your turn, draw. Fuck, I drew a land. I should have held that in hand. Um, it's like really one of these weird things where you would just hold, 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 hold. Yeah. And then I think the the couple of times that I did see you flip Sasaya, it was like, amazing, explode turn. Yeah. Or you would be like, amazing, I flip it. I now can generate 80 mana. Pass turn. Yeah. <laughs> and I'd be like, are you serious? <laughs> like, nothing to do? Yeah. You're like, I can put more lands into my hand yeah. with these, like, weird search your library for a basic land, put it into your hand effects. Yeah. But nothing to actually do with it. Yeah. I feel like this is one of the, like... We've referred to it as the equipment versus equipees problem oh, in Commander yeah, decks. Yeah, yeah. When you build a deck that needs to have a lot of two different kinds of things, yeah, um, it's very difficult to get the ratio right because sometimes you're just going to draw the other half of the deck. Like I've got my Kaza Wizards deck mm-hmm. that's also a big spells deck, right? You need to have like an X spell to sync it into because Kaza reduces the cost of your spells based on the number of wizards you have. But in order to reduce the number of the the, the cost of the spell, you got to have a number of wizards. So the deck is like roughly 50-50 spells and wizards. But if you only draw the wizards or only draw the spells, the deck just won't work. Yeah, it's it's the, you know, I want to have equipment to equip to a knight, but I don't have a knight to get the equipment on. Yeah. So I need both. It's a bit of a horrible situation. And sometimes it was like, yeah, I would just find it like either do an explosion of like a lot of stuff, but then fold to a board wipe. For example, if like you create like a lot of tokens, I'd just Mm. be like, okay, chain reaction. They all die. Yeah. Cool. And then you're like, oh, that was my win con. Um, (laughs) You know? Yeah. It was really like, it was the quintessential glass cannon for sure. Yeah, it totally was. Either would rocket ahead and do this absolutely amazing thing, or it would do absolutely nothing. And I mean it when I say absolutely nothing, and it was not... It, fun at all to pilot. I did. I have to. I have to admit there was one thing about this deck that I really enjoyed seeing. Every forest was a different printing. Yes, I really enjoyed that. Well, thankfully, <laughs> the the spiritual successor to this deck because it also has all forests with different printings is my Moru Loyal yeah. Companion deck, which is way more fun to play. Yes, and I wish I just built that in the first place because <laughs> you actually built this for a deck building challenge in yeah. our local game store. It was like a we were playing an event that was called um, Hipsters. Hipsters the the event or something yeah hipsters, or the, hipsters gathering. the gathering something yeah. like that it was the whole idea was basically anyone that entered this event had to build a commander on a budget firstly because yeah. that would that made it fair for everyone I think it was like a hundred dollar budget maybe might have been fifty potentially maybe it was hundred yeah it was very cheap <laughs> um and you would have to build a commander that on EDH rec had less than 750 seven commander decks all up. Yeah, um, and you couldn't you couldn't play partners either. You could play partner yes. with cards, but and I don't think you could play backgrounds, but you could play mm. 
You can play partner with, or you can just play regular commands. You couldn't play partners. Yeah. Because there's weird partner pairings out there that have, you know, no printings, but are pretty strong. This is also where my Tornos deck originally oh, came from. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's good that that deck yeah. stuck around. That, was that like, actually did stuff. <laughs> yeah, and is fun for you to play, I, importantly. Uh, weirdly, I brought that deck to the recording session with me today. So. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> Love it. Well, yeah, uh, Society... You're a grand design, but a failed deck. Yeah, unfortunately. Now we do have three more decks of mine to cover, but before that, I think we should take a thrifty interlude. A thrifty interlude. Uh, so we have lots less to cover, obviously, but before that, we're going to hear a little something about a thrifty card. And as is tradition, I will be performing a monologue. And this mm. week, it's the Cowled Merchant with some new wares. James, would you like to read the card I'll be featuring this week? I would. And I was actually in a conversation at our local game store not long ago. And I said that this card should be a auto-include in any red-green deck. Whoa. And I will stand by that. This Damn. is an incredible card. It's Dire Strain Rampage. For one red and a green, you get a sorcery that says destroy target artifact, enchantment, or... Or land. If a land was destroyed this way, its controller may search their library for up to two basic land cards and put them onto the battlefield tapped, then shuffle. Otherwise, its controller may search their library for a basic land card, put it onto the battlefield tapped, then shuffle. It also has flashback for three red and a green. There's a little too much order in this world, don't you think? I find myself astounded by the enforced uniformity of time, and you should be astounded too. Whole scores of us relegated identical working hours and days, such that the time left over for exercise and recreation is also identical, placing enormous strain on our resources, utilities, infrastructure and sanity. But don't worry, we can always BREAK STUFF! Plates, kitchen appliances, electronics, 3D puzzles, philanderers, car tires, gravity inverters, wicker baskets, lengths of red tape, break it all! Especially your own valuables! Go a bit nuts like your Auntie Helen when she's had a few too many mulled wines on a Wednesday afternoon! And when the dust settles and you look upon the product of your own havoc, Rest easy, knowing that tomorrow, you'll be up at 7am again! Get budgeted! budgeted. budgeted. <laughs> it's just one of those days when you don't want to wake up. Everybody sucks and everything is fucked. You know, Limp Bizkit. That's no. All. You don't know, know that song? No. Oh, wow. That was like a, a reference that I was just enjoying. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, I channeled a bit of Limp Bizkit. The, in the song the... is called Break Stuff. Okay. Um, <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I think I think the Cald Merchant would agree with Limp Bizkit on that he's one. He's probably listening to the song as he's selling that card. <laughs> uh, it's just one of those days. Uh, you're totally right, though. It is a really, really good removal spell. I genuinely think, like, I will support this till I die. If you're in red-green... Like those two color. I don't think this goes in like three color, four color, five color decks, mm. but I genuinely think it is a staple in red green decks. Yeah. I, I mean, that's just the, good. The thing I realized about it when I was first reading it before I tried it myself is I was like, I don't know, it's a bad ramp spell. Like it's three mana to get, if one you extra, destroy one, your la one yeah. of your lands, you get two. So yeah, it yeah. basically is like. It's rampant growth, but three mana in terms of return. Yeah, so it's already overcosted for yeah. that. It has flashback, so there's a bit of upside there. But then it's also a bad removal spell, right? Yep. It's a sorcery speed, three mana, destroy an artifact or enchantment, give someone a land. But the thing is, it's both of those things. Yeah, right? it fits in both categories. Yeah. And it also does it twice. Yeah. It's, like, it's, it, it goes two for one with itself. Yeah. Oh, this card is good. It's so good. It's it's so good as well because it just... If you use it as a ramp spell early, 
No one expects the removal later. And they're like, like, it was in my bin since turn three, yeah, everybody. You fools! Straight up. It's so good. And it, by the way, it, I agree. It doesn't go in many five-color decks. It does go in Thursday Incarnate because it's been <laughs> featured on this uh, on this sequence. And you can see Thrifty Thursdays, by the way, uh, when they're released every Thursday on the Greensboro Commander Community Discord server, which we share. Uh, you can check that out in the show notes. And you can also see us bring some of those to life in video form over on TikTok at Get Commanded. Yeah, and you've actually got a Google Doc now with all of them in, right? So I do, can, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's pinned in the Discord server. So if you go to Thrifty Thursday's channel and you want to catch up on all 102 at the time this episode comes you out. Go all the way back to Portent, which is the first <laughs> ever one. You can. It's a bad post by comparison. <laughs> it's got some strange references in there. But you could do that if you, you wanted to. You can do that. But... Should we get back into our commands? We should. These so terrible grand designs. It's terrible grand designs. So yes. What an oxymoron. <laughs> yeah, I mean, basically. Yeah. Um, so uh, the next deck I would like to talk about is... This one was disassembled quite a while ago. Mm. Uh, this is with my Kaika Winds Fury deck. Yeah. So this is the Jess guy. So for one white, blue, red, you get a 3-3 three, three flying. I think he's a bird wizard. He is a bird memory. wizard. Yeah. I know because I'll, I'll tell the story in a second. <laughs> Continue explaining. Whenever you cast a non-creature spell, you make a 1-1 one, one white wizard creature, to- uh, spirit creature token with flying. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can sacrifice a spirit to add a red mana. Yep. So, um... Yeah, it's a it's a cool spirits flyers kind of deck that also has like a burn kind of sub theme. Yeah, um, it's a Jess guy spell slingery type build on usually, its face. Yeah, usually a spell slinger sort of deck. I have seen people build this as polymorph as well. It's because, pretty sick because Kaikar makes so many bodies. You can afford to have no creatures in the deck except the one that you want to find. So mm-hmm. yeah, when you cast a polymorph effect which exiles a creature and you reveal to you reveal a creature, you can exile one of your token spirits, reveal to you hit that one card in your deck that you're looking for. You're also in the right colours for Polymorph as well. you got red and blue. Unlike some of the decks I'll talk about later. <laughs> um, so, why did I build the deck? I uh, wanted a home for Drug Skull Captain. This is the... Bit of a pet card. Yeah, it's got really cool art, and I think it's also just cool. It's a three-mana... Yeah. I think it's a spirit. Yeah, it's a three mana spirit spirit. with flying that gives other spirits you control plus one, plus one, and hexproof, which I think is really cool. Uh, And I also just thought spirits were a pretty cool type in in, uh, Commander and in Magic in general. And I wanted to have a deck that I could use them all in. Well, it's a spirit soldier. Oh, there you go. It it goes in soldier lists as well. (laughs) There you go. There is a blue-white soldier decks as of um like dominar oh yeah there's some really strong support for those types now very cool so that was why i built the deck what did i imagine would happen i thought i'd make a ton of spirits play some of my favorite spirit cards from my hand and win with lethal flyers or a big burn spell uh james what actually happened when i played kaika uh you were playing a different deck really you were playing the deck that it should be Mm. which is a make lots of mana use the spirits for mana generation, respond at instant speed Mm -hmm. um, kind of vibe. A lot of the time you were playing like anthems to buff your spirits and they were so often not relevant. Like, you know, a 2-2 flying spirit is a 1-1 flying spirit when there's only one of them, really. Like an anthem, when you've got five 1-1 spirits... Playing Glorious Anthem, sick. You've just doubled Mm. five to ten power in the air. Yeah. But when you've sacked all those spirits to generate more mana to cast more spells, you've got one spirit left. Glorious Anthem doubles your power, but doubles from one to two. Yeah. (laughs) Less relevant. Yeah. I found that you were playing 
the deck that Kaikar should have been mm. rather than the deck you wanted it to yeah. be. And I found that, because we were playing this a lot when we were in lockdown, this was a deck from those days, mm-hmm. you would try and upgrade this deck to what you wanted it to be, but end up including more of the spell slingery type stuff. Yeah. And removing the spirits. Because, like, this is the other thing. Kaikar says, sacrifice a spirit. Mm-hmm. It doesn't want the spirits to stay around. It's encouraging no. you to use them. So when you include spirits like Drug Skull Captain, mm-hmm. it it's saying, hey, that's a mana. Yeah. And you should use it. I'm incentivizing you to use it, you mm-hmm. know? I find it, yeah, it, it played repetitively, but it didn't end up being a spirit deck. It, it ended no. up being like a response-based deck and a... I think the command is just so streamlined into what it wants to do. It's hard to make it do anything else. Yeah, I think I think this was definitely a deck where I should have asked, yeah, what will actually happen when I build this deck? And probably like as part of that question, what does the commander actually want? Because the thing I found myself doing is, yeah, as I was upgrading the deck, I was just cutting more and more spirits from it. Yeah. Because I was like, well, clearly like every non-creature spell is Makes making a me a spirit. So even a drug skull captain, yeah, it's like giving a static buff. It's giving some, some spirits hexproof. Doesn't make a spirit though. Doesn't make a spirit <laughs> when it cut when you cast it. And also, yeah, like giving, th- that was the other thing. Cards like drug skull captain and other like sort of spirit um, typal kind of cards, like cards that cared about having other spirits, mm-hmm. those are a lot less relevant when you're making token spirits. Yeah. Right? Like giving them keywords and stuff is like a lot less cool when there's just, they're just one, one tokens. Like, especially yeah. hexproof. You don't need hexproof for a token spirit. No one's targeting a token. <laughs> no, it, either people are board wiping or they're leaving them alone. They're yeah. not going to be targeting a single spirit, especially when you have a, a sack outlet for a red on board. So yeah, yeah, I basically tried to build a deck that was not for that command. Commander, and that was the the main problem I had with it. I, think. I feel like spirits as a creature type is something that can be built, and I'm saying this because my partner just recently built the Katilda. No, oh no. So they're disassembled Katilda, okay, and they're rebuilding it as an Orzov deck. But the commander is from the new Lord of the Rings set, mm-hmm. and I'm now really struggling to remember its name. But essentially, what it does is whenever you target a spirit. It phases out. Doesn't matter uh, what's happening. It, yeah, whenever yeah. it comes targeted, it phases out. Mm-hmm. And that happens with other people. So if other people target a spirit, it phases out. It also says, which is really sick, whenever a spirit phases back in, create a 1-1 one, one spirit. Whoa. It's really strong. I really like it. And there's some really cool, like, cantrippy type spells. There yeah. you go. You've got it. Do you want to read King of that? the Earthbreakers. Yeah. For two white, black, you get a 3-3 three, three spirit noble with flying. It's a legendary creature. It says, whenever King of the Oathbreakers or another spirit you control becomes a target of a spell, it phases out, like yep. you said. Um, whenever King of the Oathbreakers or another spirit you control phases in, create a tapped 1-1 white spirit creature token with flying. That is so whack. It's so strong. So you want to, like, cantrip spells that target, that target your stuff, like Defiant Strike even. Give yep. it plus one plus zero, draw a card is cool. And then, yeah, it's like it's just a spirits deck, right? You yeah. want as many spirits as you can possibly find. So it is a spirit type deck. Like you run heaps of spirit types, mm-hmm. but there are some really interesting, super old cards that are like one white mana, one black mana that say target any number of creatures you control. Then it doesn't matter what the rest of the <laughs> thing does. You target your entire board, yeah. then your entire board phases back in and doubles in size. That's so cool. It's such a fun deck. I feel like spirits can be done. Mm-hmm. Kaikar just isn't 
the commander to do it. No, I think the closest I found for the commander that why I was really was wanting, which was like spirits and doing spirit things yep. in the deck, is I actually built um, on the advice of someone who listens to our podcast because I was like, I want a spirit. I think I talked about this a long time ago. I want a spirit type sort of commander deck that cares about tapping things because spirits often tap stuff yeah. and untap stuff. And I was recommended. Um, are Timon and Rhoda, which are the partner with commanders from Ikoria. It's a blue-white. One of them is blue, one of them is white. Interesting. One of them basically taps a creature at the beginning of every combat. And the other one says whenever a creature an opponent controls becomes tapped, if it isn't attacking, put a plus one counter on it. Whoa, so you could run the cards like Verity Circle in this yeah. deck and all that... Interesting, there is a new white-blue commander from the new Eldraine set mm-hmm. that cares about tapping stuff I as saw well. that. I was also looking at this yeah. as a potential one. Because it's like spirits. whenever you tap something opponent controls, you can pay... One, I think. One, one generic. And then you either draw a card, make a 4-4, four, four, yeah. or do something else. I can't remember it off the top of my head, but... Yeah, Orzov tap down spirit type. Yeah. I reckon that would be a better place to do your Drog Skull Captain Pet card. Totally. Yeah. I, 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 if I was asking the question of what will actually happen when I build the deck, I think that que- that answer would be closer to that answer I gave which of why am I building the yes. deck in the first place, which 100%. is the important thing here, right? It's the incongruence between what you're setting out to do and what will actually happen. Correct. That's the issue. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Kaika, Grand Design, Failed Deck. I will say though, there is a bit of a happy story out of this because mm-hmm. I traded uh, for Walt's Kaika yeah. and it has finally found a home. Has it really? It has. I've just rebuilt my, or yeah, I'm going to say it's a rebuild, but it's very fresh and new. Mm-hmm. It's Savine the Chronoclasm. Um, I see why you say it's fresh and new. This was like your first commander deck. This yeah. was a precon you bought. It I was think. a precon that had like a couple of random cards shoved into it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was also the precon that had Dockside Extortionist printing yeah. in. Very relevant precon. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I've rebuilt it from the ground up and mm. it's WinCon is making a bunch of tokens and then casting Rally the Peasants or, like, overrun type effects. Mm -hmm. And I'm using cards like Kaikar. To make a bunch of tokens. Correct. Cool. Oh, I'm so so glad because I remember you traded me for that card, I reckon, over a year ago now. Yeah, nearly two years ago. Maybe even two years because you were like... Now that you're done with it, I think I have an idea for it. And then, yeah, I'm cool. I'm just it's glad found a home. you found a home. It's found a home. That's great. Um, the next deck that I want to talk about is also another lockdown deck. This one maybe was disassembled even longer ago. I reckon it's been over two years since I last had Which this deck. Is? Krufix, God of Horizons. Oh, yeah. So wow, this, this is a real throwback to our play history. Long time ago. Long time ago this was, now. This was maybe the third or fourth deck I ever built. Yeah. I think it was like something like I built Azor the Lawbringer, Marin of Clan Neltoth. Both of those decks still exist. Mm-hmm. Krenko, Mob Boss, doesn't exist anymore. And then I think it was Krufix, God of Horizons. I think, yeah, I, yeah. You were playing it a lot because you really you really wanted it to do its thing. I did. So basically, Krufix, God of Horizons is one of the in Indestructible gods from uh, Theros Beyond Death, I believe. Not no, Beyond Death. I think the original was, Theros. I yeah. think it might have been. I think but, it even might be. Um, oh, what's I'll, that? I'll pull him up. We'll oh, I got him. Was. Okay, Krufix. Um, so he's Simic, and he basically he says, I think he's like a four there six or something. What does he say? So thank you. It's a four seven with indestructible. <laughs> it's a, somehow we pull up a, a non English one. <laughs> 
heck? I, I know the text anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, he, he's got the devotion thing of not being a creature unless you have seven or more devotion to green and blue. He says you have no maximum hand size. And then the most important bit of text he has on him is um, if mana would leave your mana pool, instead it becomes colorless. Yeah. And you don't lose mana as a result yes. of moving phases. Yes. Yeah, that's, that's the important bit. That's how it works. I think it's templated a bit differently. Yeah. yeah because some reason my scryfall <laughs> is in French. Like, or Italian or something. That it is, might be Italian. I've never seen that in my life. That is That's so funny. That's so bizarre. Every that card happened. that I've just looked up is in... <laughs> I, I think it's Italian because the dictate of Krufus is an enchantimentio. <laughs> Impressive, James. I don't if even know. If we have any Italian that. listeners, please let me know if I enchant if I said enchantment correctly in I, Italian. Somehow I doubt it. I very much doubt it. <laughs> so what why did you build the Krufix deck? So I opened him in a pack because I got like nice. had a mystery booster pack. I think maybe one of you gave me a mystery booster pack super Possibly. randomly during lockdown. I do remember that like one of our things to do in lockdown was buy each other presents and most of them were cards. Yeah, because we like, it was all we were doing at yeah. the time. Yeah. I opened him in a pack and thought it looked like a cool gameplay pattern of just like hoarding mana because basically yeah you the pattern here is you leave all your mana open before it goes to your turn you tap all of it it all becomes colorless you've got like 10 colorless in your mana pool you just keep on building more and more of it and then spending it on cool stuff so what did i imagine would happen i thought i'd make loads of mana place in like massive creatures do some huge draw spells to draw a million cards and just generally like do yeah big mana things this is the mm. second big mana deck that i've just assembled which I is just interesting feel like it's not your thing to do maybe not uh what actually happened when i played this deck look to be fair it did do the make loads of mana it mm-hmm. played big creatures and it drew a lot of cards you act this is like the first example of these grand designs that kind of did what you wanted it to do yes but it did did it in the wrong way yeah because while you were hoarding all of that mana and holding up a bunch of like you know mana on everyone else's turn mm-hmm. you were basically playing a control deck at the same time yeah and i think you were encouraged to go down that line i saw the deck have a couple of iterations mm-hmm. and the last iteration of the deck was really like lots of control lots of interaction lots of instant speed bounce this mm-hmm. exile this you know, counterspell that, do all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And I think that you as a player, I love you, but it's just not your style. You no. are not built for control, no. which is totally fine. Not, not everyone likes to be the person I of, like I have in response tattooed on my arm. Like yeah. I said before, I love being that guy. Mm-hmm. It is not for everyone. And I just think that you hated it i looked across the table and you would be uncomfortable on people's end steps because you'd be like i have to do something but i'm not sure exactly what i should be doing and it's not my turn but i don't want to waste people's time yeah Uh, yeah i think that was the control aspect of crew fix is kind of unavoidable just Mm -hmm. because like what's the main thing you need for control it's having mana available on other people's turns yeah and also and also having the ability to use your mana if you don't want to respond. Correct. So this is why so many control decks tend to have mana outlets like, um, you know... Even just an instant speed impulse, for example. Yeah, like impulse or... or memory deluge, Clue tokens like are a good yep. one often because you can sync mana into drawing cards instead. Yep. Because sometimes you're not going to want to respond. And yeah, Krufix just has that on him, right? If you yep. don't want to use your mana, save it for later. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think that, yeah, the control aspect was something that made you uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. The other thing was, you have a ton of colorless mana. You bought f- a few Eldrazi's. Yeah. You had Void Winner in that deck. I did have Void Winner in that deck. 
ew. Yeah. I just, I felt like no one that we were playing with at the time appreciated it or wanted <laughs> no. to see it. No. So it was just one of those, yeah, cool, you're doing powerful stuff. Can you play a different deck now, yeah. please? I think that the, it's interesting, the question here of, like, because we talked about it at the top of the episode, mm. asking yourself what will actually happen. I think the sort of addendum I want to add there is how will you feel about mm. that happening? Because, because realistically, Crufix did what you wanted it to do. Yeah, it held up mana, it hoarded a lot of mana, it did big mana things, yeah. but then you got to really put yourself literally in the seat, imagine yep. you're at the pod, how will that feel for you? And yeah, for me, living up a bunch of mana, having all, all these answers, stressing about how much mana I have and what to do, mm. that's not how I want to play Commander. And so that would have avoided me even building this deck in the first place. I would have been like, this is not for me. Yeah, I I think what you could do in these situations that if you go, oh, maybe I do want to build a crew fix deck. What is that going to be like to play? Oh, someone at my game store has a deck that has a lot of mana and holds up mm. a lot of stuff and has an instant speed response kind of vibe. Let me see if I can borrow that deck, play it, yeah. and see if I like it. Because I genuinely think if you were building Crufix and I was like, okay, here's my Niv-Mizzet Perun CDH deck, because that's mm. effectively what you're going to feel like. Yeah. You're going to play a land and pass the turn. Mm-hmm. How do you feel doing that? Yeah. And I've seen you pilot Niv before. You hate it. No, it's not for me. <laughs> it's, it's just not how I, yeah. I aim to play Commander at all. And yeah. that's totally fair. Yeah. I think the other thing I would say here, and this is like a a bit of a side tangent and hot take maybe, I don't know. Um, There are so many commanders that look really interesting because you have so much mana and so many of them are just Eldrazi decks. Yeah. So much of the time when you look at, like, look at Rakdos, Lord of Riots. Look at yep. Kruvix, God of Horizons. Yep. Look at so many of these commanders that say something about, like, you're going to have all this mana. Look at, um, what's Ky- Kaidel? The one that taps uh, the Prophet of Kruvix. Yeah, Kaidel, Prophet of Kruvix. tinkering with that at the moment. That's going to be different. Yours is going to be a bit different <laughs> yeah. there. But basically, any commander that gives you a million colorless mana, just think of it as saying on it, Eldrazi. Stick Eldrazi in it because it's like what it's implying and Eldrazi to me are so tired and so boring. I understand some people like it, but really ask yourself, mm. what will it be like to just have 10 mana and just cast Ulamog or just cast um what are the other ones? Yeah. Uh, uh, Kozilek. Kozilek, you know, like what will that yeah. feel like for you and if you're anything like me, you that's just like eye roll. Like oh my god, how boring. It's yep. another Friggin' Eldrazi, <laughs> Eldrazi deck. It's always that plays Eldrazi. All the Titans and all the enhancers to get the Titans yeah. out and keep them there. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree with you. Because there's like, there's what? There's like 15 good Eldrazi, really. Yeah. Like, they are extremely good themselves, but there's only about 15 of them and they're all really expensive. Yeah. So you can't true. really build like a good budget Eldrazi. What's deck? Void Winner at now? Probably like a 15 good 15 bucks, bucks, I reckon. Yeah. If not higher, because it hasn't yeah. been, I, it didn't get a reprint in the Eldrazi one. I don't think. And it hasn't got, a, I don't think it got reprinted in the Commander Masters. No. Set. No, no, I don't think so. No. Yeah. So yeah, Crufix, Grand Design, failed deck. Unfortunately. Yeah. Look, I played it a couple of times. It was fun for me to pilot. I can believe I, that. It's I, your gameplay. It's my playstyle. Yeah. It's just not yours. 100%. Now, the last deck I want to talk about here. This is a very, very recent disassembling. Like, I reckon a week and a half ago. I just so recent. This deck. We're both still wearing all black morning. <laughs> 
Uh, it was a beautiful deck, but it one was one that had to go. Yeah. It was my Krak and Akroma partners list with the secret commander of Mirrorwing Dragon slash Zada. If you want to get the full rundown on this deck, by the way, you can go back to all of Walt's decks, the, the episode of like five or six episodes ago now. Yep. I had a big rundown on how this deck works, but basically it was a polymorph deck. So it tried to exile a token creature you have or a Krak that you have to reveal until you hit one of the six creatures in the deck, which were mostly you wanted to hit Feather, yep. Mirrorwing Dragon, and Zada, because yep. they were the sort of win cons. So Mirrorwing Dragon, for those who don't know, you cast an instant sorcery that targets Mirrorwing Dragon, you copy it for every other creature you control. So cards that say, like, you know, one red target creature gets plus one, plus O, oh, and draw a card, mm -hmm. that card copies for, like, if you've got 20 creatures, you target Mirrorwing Dragon, copy it 19 more times, yeah. you will draw a card... 20 times. Yeah. It's very strong. It is very strong. And I, I built it with a Chroma as the the other partner. And the win con basically was that most of my cantripping spells that did that had keywords pasted to them. Target creature gains haste, target creature gains trample, target creature gains flying. Yeah. Lifelink first strike, whatever. And, and then, so on. Yeah. And so on. As a Chroma <laughs> says, it's true. And so on. And so on. And then, yeah, you cast a Chroma, Chroma buffs them all by massively, you win. Yeah. Um. So... Why did I build the deck? I wanted to build a deck around Mirrorwing Dragon. It's a card I've owned since I was like 12 or 13 years old. The art is beautiful. I think it's a really cool effect. Yeah. I wanted to build a deck only around it. It's not a legendary creature. Zarda looked a bit boring. Feather looked a bit boring based on games I played against it. I was like, whatever, I'll do something really weird and have those all in the deck, but polymorph into them. <laughs> it was so bizarre that this is one of two decks recorded on EDH Rec. Yeah, that use this partner pairing. Yeah. This is, like, it's sad to see this get disassembled because you were a pioneer in <laughs> Boros target spell beats flip coins <laughs> tribal type deck. Mmm. Mm, one and only. Um, the special source. The special source. So what did I imagine would happen? I thought I'd make a load of tokens, polymorph, hit Mirrowing Dragon, cast cantripping spells, make really weird spells work yeah. um, that don't normally work. Fire Prophecy. Fire <laughs> Prophecy was like a really strange tech in the deck. Yeah, make a huge board, cast a Chroma, win. Also just surprise people. Like I wanted to sit down at tables, have people look at the partners and go, what? What are you doing What with are this you deck? doing? And then for me to win out of nowhere, I kind of liked that as an idea. Um, James, what actually happened? <laughs> So, uh, I, I always think of that gif or that meme of the Italian football coach. The guy that yeah. goes, sometimes maybe good, sometimes maybe <laughs> shit. Um, Krak is a two-mana commander that you are encouraged to cast on turn two. Mm -hmm. So that way when you cast other things like polymorphs, you can do it twice and all of this stuff. The problem is it's a 50-50 coin flip of yep. whether your spell resolves or not. And the amount of times I saw you sat there flipping a coin, getting tails and going past the turn <laughs> was honestly quite painful. Um, look, personally, I remember when you built this deck because every time you built a deck, you would come to me and show me the draft and show me all this. Mm -hmm. This was the only deck you have never, ever shown me before I sat down in a game with you. Mm -hmm. And you forced me to try and guess what the deck was doing <laughs> just by revealing the commanders and playing out the game. Yeah. And I was like so confused. And I only understood it when you polymorphed into Feather. Yeah. That was like the first creature that I saw. And I was like, oh, it's <laughs> like a Feather deck. Yeah. And then you cast Zada. And I was like, Oh, it's a Zada deck. I was like, I get it now. I yeah. get it. 
Um, but that was like the first game you ever played with it and it did it pretty well. Mm-hmm. And I was really impressed and I was like, wow, this deck is like so unique, so cool. And then you were like, yeah. And I went on EDH rec and the partner pairing only has two people that have built a deck and yeah. one of them is me. <laughs> and like, I was like, wow, man, this is so cool. This is so cool. Let's play another game. I beat you up so quickly yeah. because you did nothing. It look, it's such this. I think this deck, out of all the decks we've spoken about today, is your pinnacle grand design, but fails deck. Yeah. I think it is the creme de la creme of this. Was such a cool idea, just couldn't be pulled off. Yeah, I think like I'm so glad I built this deck. I'm not so glad that I kept it and kept playing it for so long because really most of the joy I got from the deck was the building. It was the trying to find the weird cards that would make it work. You know, I put a vehicle in the deck because it would be like a creature, but I wouldn't hit it on a polymorph. There were all these layers of like finding, you know, um, what's that land? I forget the name of it. There's a white land that enters tapped and you can pay a white and tap it. And you can put a uh, card from your graveyard <laughs> on the bottom of your it's library. Recursion in a polymorph deck. In a polymorph yeah. deck, it's really cool. I, I played. Um, what's the board wipe with miracle that puts everything on the bottom of its li- terminus? I played terminus, terminus in the deck. Right. Like it was such a journey of finding the right cards to yep. make this strange thing work arriving at it, playing it a couple of times and being like, wow, sometimes it actually does the thing. Like I actually kind of succeeded here. There was, I reckon its win rate was probably like 15%. It was pretty yeah. low, but like the 15% of times it did it. Oh, oh man. It like, was so cool. It looked like it was like, you know, a painting that you had been doing for years and years and yeah. years. And every brush stroke was carefully planned out and there wasn't a bristle out of place. Yeah. But that was 15% of the time. And the other 85%, I was doing straight up nothing. Yeah. Passing the turn, doing nothing. Passing the turn, doing nothing. I I actually have to say that this deck, in my opinion, I really hope that you never remove it from Moxfield. I think it should live on... It's staying up on Moxfield. It's also... All all the other decks I've talked about have become unlisted on Moxfield. So if any of you want to see them, you're welcome to send me a message. I can send them to you if you'd like to have a look. But I don't have them updated. I don't believe in them as decks, yeah. so I don't want them to be public anymore. Kraken and Chroma is staying public because I, I am proud of the deck. I think it's a really cool idea and I think I did pull it off. Yeah, I think you did. And I think this is probably the best way to end this episode because it was just such a cool idea. Didn't come out in real life. No, it was a grand design and a failed deck. Mm. So it's great to have lofty goals when you are building decks for Commander, but it's important to keep in mind the end product. Ask yourself, what will a typical turn with this, with this deck actually look like? There are a lot of commanders out there that are fun or challenging or interesting to build, but the piloting of the deck is stale and repetitive. Make grand designs and then live in them. So, Space Commanders... Command received! Well, Walt's received this command. I don't build decks like this. No. Um. <laughs> and, and you just build better ones, yeah. as we discovered. <laughs> so, to the listeners out there, do you feel commanded? What do you think of Grand Design decks? And do you have any decks that fit this build? I'm curious to know if you've got decks that, you know, don't work, but you refuse to disassemble them. 
because of because of task of building yeah 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 Yeah. and look you can tell us about all of these grand designs but failed decks in many ways best way to do it is by getting onto the greensboro commander community's discord server chat with us and other members of our local play group you can also send us an email and all the other social media stuff yeah it's all in the show notes at get commanded on all platforms and we'd also like to say a very special thank you to our patrons who support the work that we do and make it as good as it is mm. uh, so big shout out to Stella Tam Fuzzy and Bottomless Potamus, which is the coolest username so I have ever say. heard. Bottomless Potamus, Bottomless Potamus. Oh, bravo! Yeah, <laughs> that's gonna be so fun to say every week. <laughs> yeah. um, and we'd also like to have make a very special shout out to Fletcher Cutting, who supports us in the Space Commander tier. You're the best, Fletcher. You are the best. And a quick shout out to Palms Off Gaming once again for sponsoring this podcast. These guys are local Australian business owners that love TCGs and make all the best boxes, sleeves, binders, and gaming accessories you need to protect your collection. Um, You can check them out at palmsoffgaming.com.au. Nice. Well, that's all the Magic the Gathering stuff, but Mm. we should planeswalk out of here to something outside of Magic. Where are you planeswalking this week, James? Well, look, I have just gotten off the back of a big, big work month. Mm -hmm. Um, I've talked about my work uh, on this podcast before. I work at a university uh, in the marketing team. You're repping the the colors (laughs) of the university. I am actually wearing the university hoodie today. (laughs) Yes, that's true. Um, But the university that I work for um, has just recently ran its open day series of events. Mm -hmm. Now, we have a lot of campuses around um, Australia, which means I've been kind of jet setting around uh, going to all the different campuses and running all of these open days. Um, It was pretty intense. I had like a walkie talkie in my ear all day and a team of 30 people talking over the channels, making sure everything's running right. Um, I just wanted to talk about how fun it is to run these large scale events because we do like... um, you know, events in store for like, you know, 30, 50, sometimes 60, 70 people. Mm-hmm. But Open Day, the specific one that we held in Melbourne for our Melbourne campus, we're estimating the final count hasn't happened yet. Mm-hmm. We reckon around 30,000 people. Wow. Um, it's huge. And yeah. it's like across a whole day. So you've got, you know, risk assessments to run through. You've got, you yeah. know, we had paramedics on hand. Wow. It was like a full scale event. And I'm running around with a clipboard and a headset linked <laughs> to a walkie talkie trying to make sure everything happens. It was really, really awesome um, to go through. The other really cool thing that I want to shout out is when I went to our Bendigo campus, mm-hmm. which is kind of up north of Victoria, for those that don't know, more central to the very typical Australian country town. There yeah. you go. I love it. Bit of a hike out of Melbourne, which is where me and James are based. Yeah. yeah. I got a lot of uh, other podcasts listened in on that yes. drive up. Um, but yeah, when I was at Bendigo, they had some of the student clubs there. And I mm. want to shout out the club that was like the nerd club. They called it the tabletop and something else club. They were a Magic the Gathering and D&D and Warhammer and everything club. That's I'm like, fun. that's sick. I didn't know they existed at uni. Yeah. Well, like the one place for everyone. Because let's be real. Most of us who play one of those things play more of them. Like well, me and you play D&D. Correct. For instance, yeah. you know. Like a lot of our mates um, that play Commander, Cooper Stubbs, friend of this podcast, he's just gotten into Warhammer. Oh. Good luck, Stubbs. Yeah. That is a whole hobby. Bye bye money, Stubbs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, yeah, I was like really like happy to see a club that's um, 
Yeah, I didn't know existed because I thought it was such a niche interest that yeah. it wouldn't have. Because most uni clubs are like football team, yeah, uh, you know, snow team, snow, snow sports team, which I was a member of. Yeah, I did not know that was a way to play Magic uh, at uni. I, so cool. I wasn't into Magic at the time that I was at uni, but if I was, I would one hundred percent be in that. Hundred percent. That is so cool. But yeah, open day is done now, so nice. I my workload has just reduced drastically, which is nice. Good to hear. Um, but yeah, I was you know there were days, especially like the day of open day. Where where I'd be on the ground, would be awake at about six o'clock in the morning. Wow. Wouldn't be getting home till about seven o'clock. So like mm. full 12 hour days Far of right. work. And I looked, my watch, my Apple watch said I had done 23,000 steps um, on the Melbourne Open Day one. Yeah. Massive. Big, big days. But good to have that all done and what an achievement. Yeah. And yeah, if you guys need any assistance uh, with university, I guess I can help out. <laughs> Please talk to me about magic instead. <laughs> <laughs> when he's on the clock, yeah. um, you can email him via everybody else who works in his team. That's true. No messaging James on his days off, please. Talk to me about magic on yeah. my days off, please. Yeah. I do want to do that. And same for me. Thanks. <laughs> um, that's all we have time for. We'll see you next Friday for another transmission from the Space Commanders. Goodbye, Commander players.